Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place here at Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Bookish and the Brave. Like you, the Sojourners are on a mission, and they face conflict and sometimes even danger. And in this most recent production, the Sojourners navigate the terrors and heightened supervision of Boshan. They make difficult decisions while not forgetting their main quest. But along the way, they have many reunions. And so for now, our story continues. The light of the chalice blinked brightly over the smoldering fires of Boshan. The winter air steered everyone inside their dwellings this night. Within the forgotten crypts of Steeplebottom, Sterling and Yasbro pour through a horrid book of all things of the abyss. Everything from demon anatomy to navigating the plain where so many horrors find their home. And beyond the River Sharon, crossing over the fields and towards the Laughing Ghost, Ian Keen leads away members of the Chinaston House. Irony of all ironies, the family manipulating the smuggling circle as slavers now benefit from the very network they spent 80 years creating and controlling. Only this time, they are running away from the blades of Boshan that demand their heads. Far away, demon lords stomp through the abyss, planning to terrorize Bonsaro. And within this world, three members of the Land of Life nearly escape. For Vaughn and Hawkins meet up with Valenia, a dwarven woman who convinces the Sojourners to help her steal a soul in exchange for a quick teleportation out of the abyss. And now we find the two travelers, Vaughn and Hawkins, whose bodies and consciousness move through time and space from one horrid world back into Bonzaro, where they now stand inside an atrium within a popular dwarven tavern. The sign above them reads, Morden's Beard, finest tavern in Grovelore. And as soon as you land, you hear an old dwarf welcome Valenia Grovelore back home, safe and sound. And so for now, our story continues. Hawkins, your body is sore and stiff as you are sitting at this atrium. Valenia just softly says, We made it. It'll be a while before they open the doors. Get comfortable. And she leans back for a much needed rest. Hawkins looks around for a place that he can sit with a little bit of comfort and leans up against the wall pulls out his journal um, and begins to write. He uncharacteristically uh, starts with the personal interaction log instead of the field test report this day. And he writes, disclaimer, I did not have the opportunity to write this on the day in which it occurred, but I have not yet slept. So the record should be reasonably accurate. If incomplete and prone to spelling and grammatical errors, I am utterly exhausted. In the morning, we parted from Nimiki and Otho to head into Boshin. I think I'll miss Nimiki. He was so easy and interesting to talk to. We crossed the river into Boshin by ferry. I had the chance to negotiate with Ferry Master Amos. I thought it was going well, but Vaughn must not have because he stepped in and took charge of the situation. He normally does well at hiding his nobility, so I can only conclude that he was using it on purpose to persuade Amos to charge us a reasonable rate, and it worked. When disembarking, I kindly went out of my way to advise the next passengers to look out for Amos's tricks. It was uncomfortable at first, but I think it was the right decision. It turned out that Amos was in league with the Bainites as we later found out. First, he tried to have us ambushed, and then later we were visited by some Bainites, see field test report, who said they got a tip from 
uh, from him that Vaughn was noble. After lunch, we were looking for signs of the Amberdoon gang when Sterling was affected by a Baynite Vulture's spell. Turns out that Otho's conspiracy theory about mass mind control was pretty much right on. Perhaps I should be more open-minded about such ideas. While he was affected, Sterling was kind of in a stupor, but I recognized this and was able to talk to him in a way that kept him calm and safe until he was cleansed. We met Eon Kane of the Steady Gaze. He's an efficient fellow, which I appreciate. He helped us through the aforementioned visit from the Bainites. We managed to capture several of them for questioning. While Vaughn was out bringing back the one that got away, Sterling revealed that he'd killed a man for the first time during that fight. I'm no battle-hardened killer myself, but I was able to talk to him using some of the ways discussed in that psychology book I read after what happened with Smokey Henry nearly 20 years ago now. Vaughn led most of the interrogation, but a brief but the brief battle seemed to have changed him. He beheaded a captive right in front of us, and I suspect more after we left. His new aggression continued in our dealings with the Merklat Tieflin guarding the steeple bottom crypt. This feels like something I'm obliged to delve into as his friend, but I don't know where to start. I'll have to think about this some more, or maybe Sterling will know how to help whenever we see him again. Then, in the steeple bottom crypt, Vaughn and I were sucked into some portal after nearly killing the Rudderkins. I'll never forget the abyss. And now to the part that actually feels like yesterday. Is Valenia a godsend? I was at wit's end in the abyss, and I prayed to Zeriel, and then Valenia appeared. This warrants some more research once we get back to Bald Top. We met Valenia there, fighting flying demons, which apparently imparts some nervousness and paranoia on their victims. I've never really appreciated how much Vaughn keeps himself composed normally. I wasn't able to say or do anything to make much difference to his condition. I'm glad he found that angel in the village of Rotten Mouth to bring him back to normal. Though I would really like to know what they were talking about. Valenia and I get along pretty well. She actually looked to me to come up with a plan for stealing the bottled soul which she needed to plane shift us back to Bonzaro. Godsend or no, I'd like to know more of her story, I think. In summary, Vaughn and Sterling both had rough days emotionally. I was a bit of a help to Sterling, but Vaughn is going to need more support, I think. We made a new friend in Valenia. Overall performance, B-. minus. Field test report. Hawkins is getting very tired at this point. He's having trouble keeping his eyes away, his eyes open. He repeats the disclaimer. I did not have the opportunity to write this on the day in which it occurred, but I have not yet slept. So the record should be reasonably accurate, if incomplete, and prone to spelling and grammatical errors. I am utterly exhausted. After the poor performance of the magnesium shot against the Sasquatch the previous day, I may have over-adjusted the formula. The bolt, which is only supposed to flare while in the air, actually exploded, obliterating one of the Bayonite soldiers. It was very effective, but it feels too dangerous at this point. Fortunately, I'd only had time to modify one bolt. Unfortunately, that means that the magnesium tip shot into the Rudderkin was just as ineffective as that against the Sasquatch. More fine-tuning is needed. Throughout the day, shots were mostly on target, even in the abyss, where I made one tough shot on a flying demon that was latched onto Vaughn's neck. I am too tired to finish this record. I will need uh, to revisit again in the future. In summary, more work is needed on the magnesium tip formula. Keep up target practice in the spare time. It's paying off. Overall performance, A-. Hawkins closes his journal and falls asleep. Hawkins and Vaughn, you stir through torrid dreams, waking up every once in a while, still seeing the sign, looking over and hearing Valenia snoring. Finally, the door opens. You hear the ruckus sounds of dwarves cheering and laughing and drinking on the other side of what was once a silent room. Valenia sits up and says, ah, they've arrived. 
well, and one dwarf arrives. A very old dwarf with a shiny bald head and the whitest beard you have ever seen. He walks in with authority and Valenya sits up and says, Ah, Gerendan, you're a sight for sore eyes. She stands up and clasps his arm in proper dwarven fashion and butts her head up against his bulge, shiny head. And she looks to Vaughn and Hawkins and says, I brought visitors and I'm much obliged to them for they were able to get back this. And she sloshes a soul that you have been looking for, a long lost friend, having asked Valenya to go into the abyss on a recon mission. Your quest is now successful. How do you respond, Garandan? Oh, lass, you are a sight for sore eyes. Oh, you've brought joy to this old man's heart. All my days here drinking and I can't do what I used to do anymore, but it's good to see that the next generation is taking care of business. Hey lads, drinks are on me. My morning's beard. <laughs> she wipes away a tear and says, nah, Gerendan, you raise the next generation. Please, Hawkins, Vaughn, I want you to meet somebody. She beckons you over. This is Garandan. He's the leader of our order here in Grovelor. She takes a moment to introduce you. How do you respond? It's good to meet you, Garandan. Say, that name sounds familiar. I... You're not... You're not THE Garandan, are you? Ah. Uh, it depends. If you're talking about the guy that drank too much, then no. But if you're talking about the guy that went to Avernus, yeah, I might have done that. Wow. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. I've read all about the things that you did. Oh, uh, ah, it was nothing. Had some good help. Vaughn. Good to meet you, my friend. It, it seems that your fame extends beyond your borders, and for that it is an honor. I, I am unfamiliar with growth lore and ashamed that I, I do not know your name uh, more than I do, but uh, it is a pleasure to meet you, and he'll bow slightly. That's okay. I was only adopted into the Grovelor clan. The man Felford, now there was a Grovelor through and through. He was the man who established these borders. Without him, we wouldn't be here. May he forever fight in Arcadia. Valenius, yes. praise. You're all sitting down for some much needed rest. Indeed, you do take a long rest. And if you calculate the time, you realize that two days have passed since you were dragged into the abyss. While you're sitting around talking with Vilenia and Garandan around some much needed sustenance and the joyous raucous sounds of dwarves dancing upon a table, celebrating a much needed vacation and celebration of work hard-earned work. Hawkins, it occurs to you that what you read about Garandan was his relationship to Zariel. These thoughts go through your mind as you sit looking back and forth across the table. Say, Garandan, mm. I, I seem to recall that you had something to do with Zariel. Do you, do you know her well? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. Yeah, she is. Wow. She really took the nine hells through the storm. She was a. She was. She is quite a woman and quite a beard on her, too. <laughs> no way. I, she still had the beard? I didn't think that was actually true. I thought it was a superstition. Oh, no. She tried to keep it short, but it was there. But was uh, that because of your influence on her? Well, I was, I was Father Moradin. He, uh, let's just say he showed up at the right time and uh, helped this old man. It was old even then. Oh no, I was young. I'm forgetting myself. <laughs> uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he helped me and 
made a trade, which is a fair trade, as it worked out well. Oh, aye. And now she's a friend of the dwarfs. Do you happen to know if, uh, if she answers prayers? Hmm. She... She comes up from time to time. Yeah, you know, there's been a word and whispers here in Grovelore of her worship. Ah, uh, she's a tough cookie for sure. Um, so I, I think she has hands to reach far and wide. She would help at a moment's need, absolutely. Well, I've never prayed to her, that's for sure. I'm more that's than right. through and through. That's right. I know, child, I know. Mike, take after Feltrin, don't you? She nods, and late into the night you talk. Vaughn, how do you appear sitting among all these dwarves? Vaughn is, he's slowly relaxing as he's, as he's starting to fully embrace the idea that he's safe and that this is good company and that Hawkins is safe. He's starting to relax and he's enjoying uh, smiling at the dwarfs, uh, doing what they do and, and enjoying themselves. He's probably not partaking in a way that the others are. Maybe you know a sip of something here or there, but mostly drinking water and 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 eating and um, and just sitting back and watching. The main thing that he's wondering and thinking about, but he's not sure that it's appropriate for him to ask, is uh, why why that soul in a jar in a bottle, and what's the purpose and who is it? because now this very famous guy wanted it back and Valinia went to hell to get it for him. Uh, so he's, he's quietly contemplating that. And at one point, he'll lean over to Hawkins and, and say, Hawkins, I, I don't want to offend our new friends, but do you have any idea which soul is in that bottle and why that old man would want it so much? You know, I, I really don't have a clue. I haven't studied a whole lot about souls. I'll add that to my reading list, though. I just, I can't imagine how this little vial with a soul, which I don't understand how that works, but how that could be worth taking a trip into the abyss. I, uh, it, it makes no sense to me. And uh, so I, I want to ask, but I don't. I'm afraid that I will offend, and, and that is not my intentions, especially as we are their guests. You may make an insight check. Hawkins, you may make one as well. 11. 15. Hawkins, despite Vaughn's trepidation, uh, you know that this would not be an off-topic conversation. And given your, given your participation in retrieving this soul, it's not entirely out of your jurisdiction to ask. I don't think, Vaughn, since we had something to do with getting it back, I don't think it'd be wrong for us to ask. Maybe we asked Belenia. I'm sure she knows. Vaughn would lean over to Belenia. You have pretty eyes for a man. Yeah, and everybody ever told you that? Once or twice, yes. Thank you. <laughs> you know what you have? Pretty eyes. Conslinken. I swear you do. It's true. It's written all over you. Conslinken, if any human man's ever had it before. Now, what you asking the question for of me? Oh, what, what does conslinken mean? Is this something I want? Oh, it's the grit in your belly that uh, makes you strong and resilient. It's the reason that we dwarf over there is eating a whole cow by himself. He'll process it overnight for sure. Conslinken. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, can I ask you, um, I, I, I don't mean to offend, but I'm curious about the soul that you were sent to retrieve. Uh, uh, first, I, I would want to know what the value of retrieving a soul would be from the abyss, and then also, uh, who, who was worth the trip into hell? To, re to retrieve this and risk your life. She sobers up a little bit instantly. 
Well, yeah, that was, um, that's all Garendan's doing. He, besides running this wonderful place with the help of many fine dwarven hands, he also runs a program for getting dwarves who's made bad deals and rescuing them. You see, well, she kind of hasn't let go of the vial. She still has it in her hands, guarding it preciously. His name is Tatum McRubbish. He's a regular dwarf, just like you or I, but had a bad time. Left the community, left the clan. Set out to work his own smithing by himself. But there's an old saying that says, a lone dwarf isn't no dwarf at all. And when that happens, you make yourself susceptible to all kinds of other influences. And one of them was a, a demon. It was. And this poor guy sold his soul to become the best smith in all the land. See, normally, when dwarves stick together, they achieve great things. Go alone, go faster. Go together, go farther. And Tatum McRabbish, we had worried for him for so long. Begged Morden to go get him. And finally Morden gave the go-ahead. Told us where he was. Oh, Garandan, he, he probably could go there and just change the weather, call down fire from any kinds of heavens and summon angels, I'm sure. But no, he, he insists that the young folk get out there and work with their own hands and do the hard work of saving Tatum from an eternity of imprisonment within this here vial. We're going to release him tomorrow. It's a ceremony. And may he ascend to Moradin after we pray for him for forgiveness. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you. That is a very noble endeavor. I, in my former life, I didn't deal with souls, but I did often try to redeem people who were uh, in unfortunate and uncomfortable situations. So I am I'm familiar and I have great respect for what you have done. Uh, now, why would that demon want the soul of a, as you said, normal dwarf? Uh, why was it such a special soul to him? Well, it wasn't that special. He just wasn't willing to sell it. All the other vials that you saw were the same things. And these demons, they, they, they find joy. They don't care about gold or silver the way we do. They trade souls that have been captured like toys. They trade them with each other or try to sell them. And the more difficult the soul was to obtain, the more valuable it is. Like if you had a rare item, uh, something of precious value to you. Well, I am grateful that we were able to get your friend back. And although slightly scary, it was also kind of fun. Hey, it was. <laughs> I saw you running around with <laughs> those demons chasing you. Yeah, well, there's a game about that, I think. We played it for a long time. Back it was nice day. to stretch my legs. That was a good time. <laughs> Well, I'm just glad you kept your legs. Yes. Oh, Martin's beard is thick and long, and his tears taste like ale. And the dwarves begin following in suit with the chorus, chanting along with you. But then you wake up the following day. Three days has passed. Valenia ensures you that Tatum McRubbish will be released soon. But she presses on to you and says, Well, how are you going to go back to Boshan? There's a couple of options, but I'm not telling you how to do your job. I uh, only brought you here because this was the only plane I knew, the only place I knew to go. <laughs> I didn't really know exactly. We didn't have much time to talk about where you wanted to go. I appreciate that you just brought us back to Bonzaro at all. I'd rather be in the company of dwarves than demons. Aye, they should put that on a shirt. <laughs> but seriously, how do you plan to get back? 
well. Uh, I don't know exactly where Grovelore is. I mean, I've seen it on a map, but there's a difference between looking at it on a map and, and actually traveling. How far are we from Boshan? She breaks out a map and shows you that it is a 30-day walk back to Boshan southwards. 15 days by wagon or horseback. She taps the map and says, that's a, ooh, what a pretty far. But um, I know there is a teleportation circle in Boshan, in the upper city. That'll take only about 10 minutes. What'll it cost us, though? Surely teleportation like that isn't free or people will be teleporting all over the place. Ah, that's true, but you kind of put your neck out on the line. Not that I could have left you there in the abyss, of course, too. I didn't think about it. Um, I'm sure we could think of some kind of price, to, but we have all kinds of resources here. We can fund that stuff. If you were a part of rescuing old Tatum or Grubbish, then we'll at least give you a free ride home. That would be wonderful. Thank you. I. So, you, so you're planning to go back into Boshan, then? We need to go find our friend. A noble quest indeed. And she smiles at you. So Vilenia and a couple other dwarven mages prepare a teleportation circle into Boshan. Vaughn, you know that this circle had been used and protected by the noble houses, especially the Elithria tribes of elves. You can only speculate who is in control of the teleportation and transportation currently. It would make sense to you that most likely the Bainites, having controlled the city, also control the teleportation circle. Hawkins, when we teleport back in, it's the circle that they're sending us to is in the in the upper city uh, where, where the nobles lived and uh, often were able to to transport, but there's a good chance we're going to arrive in the company of somebody we don't want to see, uh, whether it's a Bay Knight or, um, well, let's not even think about who else it could be. Uh, needless to say, we're going to need to be prepared and uh, maybe, maybe disguised. I... Valenia, do you have any disguise equipment around here? I don't know exactly. I mean, we, we don't. <laughs> I'm a little bit distinctive just because of my stature, but. Uh, yes, of course. It just depends on how what you want to look like. Could you make me look like a dwarf? Like alter your appearance? Uh, well, I mean, in, in clothing and a, maybe a false beard. I need some padding too, I presume, to bulk me out a little bit. Oh, you mean like, you mean like good old fashioned disguises? Oh, of course, of course. Um, hmm, a fake beard. Or maybe I could just trim a few inches off of somebody's, somebody, no, no, that's probably a bad idea. That's yeah, a little too close for comfort. Hold on a second, let me check something here. If you can. Come up with a fake beard, I'll take one as well. And if you can make me ugly, they probably would never recognize me. Huh. She prepares to cast Alter Self on both of you, lasting for an hour. And indeed, she changes your appearance and she swells your body up a little bit, uh, Hawkins, so that you sprout a proud dwarven beard. You look a, a little bit stockier and much shorter than any dwarf course. And for Vaughn, she sprouts a long blonde beard. Uh, you still retain your physical appearance, um, but you do look a little more squat, though you don't look dwarfish. Yeah, I did a pretty good job myself, if I don't, if I don't say, well, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> as long as they cannot recognize me for the few seconds it's going to take us to get out of there. Uh, we should be okay. Thank you for your help. Very well. You prepare to enter Boshan through teleportation.
Within the crypts of Hell Salts, Yasbro yawns and stands up to stretch his legs. After three days now of studying, he announces that while there is now knowledge to build a portal, there is no resource for doing so, which requires 1,000 pounds of titanium metal. I do proudly announce to you that if the runes can be read upon the old doghouse that your friends went into, one could theoretically open the portal as long as one was powerful enough of a spellcaster. An old spell called Gate. It is a ninth level, revered for the highest of spellcasters. So that's it, and he closes the book. During the last three days, Sterling, it has been silent. No one has come by, and you've existed off of meager rations. However, in that time, you have not been completely idle. So what are the first things that Sterling learns while spending time with Yasbro? So Yasbro, a lot like scholars of the old days, would read everything out loud. He would um, like mimic it and read it so that he could hear it and process it. Um, and in so doing, Sterling was watching his lips and watching his characteristics and how he would interpret the words and uh, and he was paying attention. Uh, he recently picked up the um, the feet observant and so that he can read lips of people's languages that they understand. So he is trying to understand this language. Go ahead and make a investigation check. Investigation. Okay. You're going for a five or higher on this one. I got a five. <laughs> I got a three plus okay. two. <laughs> okay, so you, well, you, despite just much struggle as possible, you do manage to learn the abyssal language. Nice. You can now speak demonic language. What's another thing you learn? Um, so while he's been sitting there silent, he's been playing with Von's mother's ring as well, just kind of checking it out, going over it in his hand, kind of looking it through the star glass, and he sees just how beautiful it is, and it makes him miss Von a little bit more, but he feels connected to him through the runes and through the ring. He feels he didn't want to become a Don Steeplebutton, but he's feeling a little kinship with them now. Okay. He's uh, also trying to find out the, all the talk about the abyssal poisons and the demons. He's just trying to see how um, they interact with each other. The different, the, uh, different. He's been listening to Sylvia a lot about the different planes and kind of how the cultures are there of uh, all show and you know wearing it on your chest, being powerful, looking hard to kill and tough. And so he wants to know a little bit how to interact with them as well. Okay, that'll be an insight check. And it's going to be a 10 or higher since it's the second thing you've learned. That's a 23. You now have advantage on demon anatomy and culture. And upon the third day, what do you spend your time studying? Um, there was a certain spell in one of the books um, that was uh, demonic in nature, but also very focused on the uh, earth and elements of sun, moon, uh, moon stars, um, that kind of piqued Sterling's interest. And since he'd picked up a rudimentary knowledge of the language, he was trying to read this spell and uh, get it into his head as well. And what spell is that? Uh, it's sort of a, a sort of a moonbeam. Um, but it's kind of a dark light that goes with his dark ethereal or um, arm, armor. So for Moonbeam, it will forever have a demonic flavor to it as you must speak abyssal to cast Moonbeam. Um, that one will be for free. You learn that one. But have fun with uh, casting Moonbeam from a demon's <laughs> point of view. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. Sterling, as you're sitting there, your belly starts to rumble. You suddenly hear a sound that you have not heard in the last three days. It suddenly occurs to you that your 432 hertz signal has been silent this whole time. Suddenly you get not one, but two pings. 
someone what? has just entered the plane of Bonsaro. Wow. Uh, what? What? Do you hear that? Something. Something's going on. It's very I'm, weird. I am not talking to you in your oh. head. So whatever you're oh. hearing, it's not me. Okay. It's been very quiet these last few days. So I, you're, you're right. I'd hear. It. This sounds very familiar, but it's been a little while. What is this? He kind of stifles a laugh and just says to himself, "Silent as the grave." <laughs> hmm? uh, oh, I know what this is. It's my ring. My, wait, what does that mean? Does that mean there's new bookends here? Or is it? Or does? Okay, well, we can't build a portal. They maybe they found a way. They're very industrial. They they know how to do things. You're saying your friends are back. I mean, I I'm picking up the 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 ringing in my ear that means they're nearby. That's the same thing I used when I was on the ferry to let them know I was in danger. But they they I, I hear them. That's ringing in your ears every time they're close by. No wonder oh. you wanted to get rid of them. I didn't want to. Have we spent three days trying to get them back? I don't <laughs> want to. At least get I rid taught of them. you something. What have they taught you? They've taught me friendship and kindness and perseverance and no, the- blah blah blah. All those things won't get you very far, especially if they're gone. Mate, you need to find some good friends after this, okay? You, the ones you're hanging out with, they're not, they're not the best. Well, I'm so flattered that you've taken an interest in my well-being. Yeah, and mate, there's there's lots of good things in this world that are worth fighting for, and I think hanging out with the non-living or these undead, as you call them, is is really dampening your style. It's kind of turning you into a bit of a a bit of a zombie, mate. I'm not going to lie. Well, truth be told, I was much more stoic of a person before I began this journey. So joke's on you. He slams the books down and he walks over into the corner, leaving you with the ringing in your ears. Now, where could they be? I haven't done much exploration of this city. Um, well, I, I know they've got to be nearby. Uh, uh, how would they get to how would they get here? Is there any? Do you know of any, do you know this city? Yes, bro. He kind of rubs his head and says, okay. You didn't hear them when they went away. Mm -hmm. Now you hear them. Mm -hmm. They're obviously back, but does your thing have like a location device or do you simply just know they're here? I just know they're here, but it wasn't like faint. It's just straight steady steam, which means they either appeared quickly or they uh, well, they got probably teleported or something or shifted oh. through the planes, traveled. Yes, it's possible. I okay. suppose if that's how they entered here, and they're not going to walk back from the abyss now, are they? No. After we read that whole book, I don't think that's possible. But um, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah. So where's the teleportation circle? Where where would that be? There's only one here in Boshan. It's the mm. upper city. Ugh. It's that way. That way. Okay. Uh. Hmm. That way. Mm. Do you know the city at all, Yasbro? You fancy going for a walk? I'm not. Slams his the book together and says, "I will take you." Um, oh, if you would just promise to shut up and we'll pick up some food along the way. Oh, I know just the spot. <laughs> uh, okay, Sterling is somewhat delayed because moments later he and Yasbro are at Mama Lena's sweet meats. She's just grinning. Saying, oh, I knew you'd come back for the sweet meats. Yeah, I brought and a friend. Also, he leans over to you and says, what exactly is this sort of meat? Not complaining, but it is rather sweet. Yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? Yeah, sweet. It's chewy. Vaughn uh, and Hawkins, they said they were going to tell me what it was, but we never got around to that. We got kind of distracted. But hey, I don't, you know, I don't question. I've eaten some weird things in my life, you know, but this is, uh, this is pretty good. It's made you all a bit stronger, I'm sure. Uh, so when are you going to come back and uh, stay with me and visit my daughter? And perhaps oh. you could come over for dinner tonight? Wouldn't that be wonderful? She's out working right now and shopping. Oh, it's such a shame that she's not here. Oh yeah, such a shame. No, but no, she's she's a sweetheart, and uh, you know maybe Yasbro here he hangs around a little bit, but I'm on my way. I got missions, you know, things to do, people to see. Um, but but you've been so sweet, Mama Lena, and it's almost as sweet as your meats. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that's a good one. She grabs you by the cheek and says, and kind of pulls you close for a kiss and says, 
ditch your friend, don't invite him, and pushes you back. Oh, it got a little sour around here. Um, okay, well, we were just hungry, popping by, and, and thought, we'd, you know, I missed you. I did. You were such a sweetheart. Oh, like this, yeah, this whole please. city's been a bit of a nightmare, but you were a very bright spot, so I appreciate that. Well, let us get to move on because the Bay Knights are on the move and they're out from me as well as you, I'm sure. So let's go. Okay. How long we got before prayer time? Because I, I just want to make sure I'm ready for that. Prayer time? I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. I'll just I'll just keep looking out for vultures then. Okay. Wags his head and leads you to the upper city. Uh, Sterling, will you make a survival check with disadvantage since you stopped at Mamalina's? Heard that. Uh, you're just a 50-50, so 11 or higher. I got an 8. All right, you are late. You are held back. You are lost. It takes a really long time to get to the teleportation circle. You don't encounter any incidences along the way, but between you and Yasbro, you get lost once or twice. You double back a couple times before arriving to meet up with the ringing in your ears that is Vaughn and Hawkins. Oh boy. Hawkins and Vaughn, you arrive in the teleportation room within Boshan. And immediately upon arrival, two guards, two Bay Knights, and two mages are alerted. They instantly, surprisingly, or they seem surprised at your immediate removal. And one says, excuse me, do you have a pass card? He sees you in your current form, appearing as both pretty dwarven-looking long beards, um, altering your presence a little bit. Uh, both of you roll a perception check, high number winner. Fifteen. Ten. Vaughn, you're the first to see it. One of the mages runs back into another room and begins putting something on his ear as if he's talking to someone from a distance. Meanwhile, the other mage and two guards are now surrounding you in the teleportation room. Though they have not drawn weapons, they appear intimidating. And again, they repeat back to you and Hawkins. I said, did you have a pass card? No teleportation allowed without a pass card. Hawkins um, looks down and starts patting around his clothing and starts sort of rummaging through his bag, um, taking small steps toward them um, as if absentmindedly. Fawn will follow and in his best dwarf impression say, don't you have it? I thought I did. Uh, it must be here somewhere. I thought they gave it to you. Let me, maybe it's at the bottom. Okay, make your deception check with advantage. <laughs> Hawkins. Uh, I'm going to do a contested check against them. 14 to beat. 19. So both of you having some experience in tactical combat, you recognize the two guards as the Red Hand of Bane. The mage looks a lot like the arcanist that Sterling spoke of in his encounters. And Vaughn, you are very familiar with the arcanists as they were the ones who were primarily responsible for the fires of Boshan. Having known their tactics, you now have the upper hand on any sort of hostile situation. Meanwhile, their shoulders relax a little bit as they look at these two bubbling dwarves looking for a pass card. The Bainites drop their guard keep looking for it and then Vaughn's gonna just kind of push him like try to walk away a little bit okay so by way of this room it's a small 10 by 10 room oh, there's okay. there's one door that leads to the control room where one of the arcanists seems to be calling someone and there is another door that simply opens up into a nondescript hallway you also see that there is an aerial ledge leading outside far above the city. So an open window, like an airspace, where uh, something of flight would land. And then the control room, 
and the exit out of the teleportation room. Do you have a table I could maybe set my bag on to, to help dig to the bottom? Uh, did not expect this. It's fine. They lead you through the exit door. If you both follow along, you see that you're now in a bigger atrium, 20 by 20 room. There is a room to your left. The exit out of the teleportation comm center to your right, which leads to the open square. Vaughn, you're very familiar with that. But instead, they go straight into the interrogation room. They open up the room and there's a small little interrogation table two metal chairs and there is a locked cell door in which one of the guards holds the key put your stuff right there I'm sure he's gonna find it soon and then Vaughn's gonna start walking towards the exit door hey wait 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 you need we need a pass card he's trying to find it in his bag but you don't have yeah, a table you, you'll know the table's right here he can dump his stuff right here and you'll wait until he presents the pass card Otherwise, it's custody for you. Vaughn is going to lead Hawkins to the table and and let Hawkins dump his stuff out of the table because I don't think Vaughn doesn't think that it's any going to be any different ten seconds from now than it is right now, where he's still going to have an arcanist and two guards to beat up if if it goes sideways. But so far, it's not actually sideways. So. But what he's not going to let them do is lock a door or put us in a cage. So he's going to walk towards that table and then he's going to set himself up so that Hawkins can dig through his bag and Vaughn can make sure that they don't get trapped, if possible. If, if, if they get to the place, if he gets led to a place where they feel like he feels like they're getting fully cornered, then he's going to lash out. Okay. Currently, one guard is standing at the door leading out. One guard is standing proximal to you, watching both of you go towards the table. Hawkins. Um, Hawkins will go to the table um, and set the bag down, open the mouth up wide, but not dump anything out yet, um, and sort of doing what he can to uh, keep an eye on Vaughn to look for some kind of signal to go. I don't think I'm gonna find it in here. I don't know Did you where to put it. it. Again? Last time they let us go, remember, but they said don't lose it again. Well, and then he'll look at the guard who's uh so there's one that's inside the room with us and one that's at the door, or there's one at exactly. the door and one? Okay. Yep. Yeah, one's kind of proximal to you and the other one is standing at attention at the doorway. Okay, so since there's one inside the room already, Vaughn's going to walk towards the one at the door very slowly and just kind of plead with him. My friend is very forgetful and absent-minded. He's not as smart as you or I, and he loses things a lot. Is there any chance that we could, and as he's he's just going to keep creeping forward, and is there any physical reaction from this guy? Uh, go ahead and make a deception check. We'll let that determine. Because what you're attempting is very suspicious. That's a 15. It's a 15. It's enough. He doesn't have his hand on his hilt. He seems to be He's not taking you seriously enough, but this is becoming an inconvenience. Okay, so then Vaughn's going to continue. C could you just give us a pass this one last time? We'll never ask again. Hawkins rushes up behind Vaughn and says, No, they gave it to you this time, Garadan, and shoves him in the back really hard into the guard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Vaughn then will, if if he gets shoved into the guard, Vaughn will then take that as his cue. And if he can, grab the guard and twist him, kind of judo throw him into the room where the other guard is, creating an opportunity for Hawkins to sneak out behind him. Spend a key point? Yeah, absolutely. 
because you had uh, advantage on that, um, or you have the surprise, so go ahead and make an attack with advantage, spend a key point for success. Uh, the armor class is gonna be a 16. Oh, I rolled a 17 with it. Oh my gosh. Vaughn, you lean into the guy, judo throw him across the room. He crashes into the other guard, giving Hawkins a chance to escape as the guards pile up on each other. They knock over the chair, the table. Hawkins, it's on. So both of y'all roll initiative. <laughs> Every story comes to an ending, so for now, we must conclude. Thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded. And we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you enjoyed this background music and ambiance, you should visit Tabletop Audio. You can find them at www.tabletopaudio.com. And if you want Vaughn and Hawkins to escape the teleportation center, then you should go to your favorite podcasting platform, and leave a rating and review. If you want to know more about the character, Garandan, the old dwarf, and his adventures in Avernus, then you can go back into the archives and listen to the series, The Blood War. I encourage you to start at episode one, The Aftermath of Victory, and take the time to sojourn with us. For articles on playing your very own Dungeons and Dragons games, visit www.sojournersawake.com. You can also find us being inspirational on Facebook, Instagram, and now you can subscribe to our newsletter on Substack. However you choose to journey with us, as always, Sojourner, may your story continue.